Bible prophesied of a unique time on earth, Israel would be returned to her land, the church would turn to false doctrines, technology would increase, and wickedness and immorality would run rampant. The time spoken of so long ago has come. Join Charlie Garrett as he breaks down these events for us as they unfold each week. It's 22 July, Sunday, time for the Prophecy Update of the Week. And we have our first category, as always, is Israel. And from Jerusalem Post, Putin, Trump, paid particular attention to Israel's security at the summit. I don't know if you know that. They talked about all kinds of things, but apparently one of the things that Trump highlighted was Israel security. Russia and the United States are working together to ensure Israel's security with regards to the advancement of the Syrian regime against rebels near the Golan Heights. President Trump said to reporters after a summit with President Putin on Monday that Trump paid particular attention to Israel's security during the summit. The Russian leader said at a joint press conference after the summit Monday, Russian cooperation with Israel is a great thing, Trump said. As far as Syria is concerned, the task of establishing peace and reconciliation in this country could be the first showcase example of successful joint work, the U.S. leader said. Now, we all know that Russia is eventually going to come against Israel. We don't know what the impetus for that is. It could be a big oil find. It could be whatever. But it is going to happen. At this time, though, at least he understands that Trump is behind Israel, that he's not going to be able to pull anything, which tells me probably something is going to happen to America. Unless we're several elections away and we get a new president that is just unwilling to support Israel, there's probably something that's going to happen to the states to take us out of the picture where Russia says, I can now do this thing. Because we're... Yeah, or Putin gets the boot and somebody else comes in and it doesn't care. But uh, I'm not sure. You know, uh, Bob mentioned something about um, Russia. I don't remember what you were saying, but uh, you, you mentioned something about it. And, oh, I remember is that it, it is under the previous president's watch that all of the things that strengthened Russia came about. There is no doubt that what is being attributed to our current president is something that is actually just projection because they are in hip deep with the uh, Russians. I'm talking about the Democrats, okay? And I, I don't know if anybody saw this. I posted on my face, Facebook wall, and most people that saw it, I don't think they knew what it was uh, a picture of. But during the talks, during this summit, Vladimir Putin was sitting in his chair, and then Trump is over in this chair. They're like this, okay? Putin had his hand on his handrail, Okay, of his chair the whole time. It was like he was really uncomfortable being in a room with Trump. It, it was a defensive thing. But when he reached forward to shake the president's hand, he never let his hand off of the uh, handrail. But when he did this, he put his finger out just like that. And I've got a picture of it. He, it was, he was doing this. He was making a bird. He, and it may be just accident. He had two fingers holding on to it. It may have been that he extended that finger to shake it. I got to tell you, it is so brazen. If you look at that photo, it is so brazen that he's got a, a, a bird finger pointing out. I'm questioning whether, and you watch his hand, it was like he was preparing to do that before he shook the president's hand. I think that he's in bed with the Democrats, and they are trying to get rid of Trump by using projection. Anyway, what I will do on the Prophecy Update is I will post a picture of his hand, a close-up of that, so you can see this. And it's not photoshopped. There are several cam uh, people that took photos, and I went to all of them, and it's evident in all of them from different angles. And if you watch the video, which I put online, 
it's very clear that he was getting his hand ready before he shook to do this. So whatever, you know, I, I could be completely wrong on that. It may have just been the way that he was holding the, the chair handle, but that finger went out and he was giving a bird when he was shaking our president's hand. So there you go. Um, from Ynet, uh, Prime Minister on Putin-Trump summit, this is Netanyahu. I congratulate the U.S. commitment to our security. Prime Minister Netanyahu addressing the meeting between President Trump and Russian President Putin in Helsinki Monday. Netanyahu congratulated the deep commitment of the United States and President Trump to Israel's security, as expressed in his meeting with President Putin. Netanyahu also added that he appreciates the security coordination between Russia and Israel. Okay, well... Russia has no choice at this point. That's all there is to it. I wonder if things would not have devolved much more quickly if our current president was not the same person who was there now, if it was a female instead. I have a feeling that maybe things would have wound up much quicker towards uh, Israel's destruction or whatever. But that's just speculation on my part. But everything in this world focuses on that one little piece of land in the Middle East. Everything. From uh, Cal Calistech. Gene Discovery Startup announces breakthrough on drought-tolerant crops. Kind of an interesting article here. Uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about the Gaza War at all, just so you know. I mean, people are going to be, why didn't you talk about that? Why? Everybody's talking about it. You go to 15 Prophecy Updates, and all 15 are going to talk about it. And all it is is just 200 bombs were sent from Gaza into Israel, right? And then Israel responded, and the world decided to pick on Israel after Israel responded. That's the same thing that happens every time. And unless something major happens, there's no point in going off on it. So here we go with um, Gene Discovery. A team of biotech entrepreneurs in Israel say that they have identified about a few dozen drought-resistant genes in samples extracted from the region's famously desiccated soil and from its rare stores of fresh water. The startup behind the discovery, Plant Arco Bio Limited, announced that the University of Wisconsin-Madison will begin testing the commercial potential of the desert genes by introducing them into soybean varieties planted in the U.S. greenhouses and fields. The startup's patent-pending process is unlike that of other companies in the industry. Standard practice is to use computer models to engineer plant genetics for improved drought tolerance. It is an imitation of what happens in nature. By contrast, Plant Arc Bio started with the proposition that genes they want to isolate already exist within the microorganisms and fungi they call the desert home. But even these tiniest of living things have a complex genetic code, much of which has nothing to do with withstanding desiccation. The scientists took the undifferentiated genetic material from the desert samples back to the lab where they began an experiment. They spliced up the DNA and added genes randomly into the seeds of about a million model plants. Growing in the startup's laboratory greenhouses, the seeds turned into plantlings. The scientists controlled the temperature and water intake of the plants and kept track of which of them grew to maturity and survived the longest. This process ended up revealing about several dozen genes out of a million tested that contributed to the plant's fortitude. So they've identified these genes. If they can now take those genes and put them in soybean or something, they could have worldwide crops that will you know, feed everybody in very limited 
amount of water use. So that is something that would probably be beneficial after the tribulation period. You know, I, I, I think that it's not going to help. Or it could be that, you know, we were talking about the disparity between the poor and the rich in the uh, tribulation period. You're going to have a lot of poor people and you're going to have a lot of rich people. Well, there's going to be food to feed them all. It's just going to take a day's wages for them to eat it. And so maybe they're going to have this and they're going to be able to grow all kinds of food, but they're going to have the people subjugated in the world. Whatever. It's uh, something that Israel is working on, and there are a bunch of smart people, so I imagine we're going to have some pretty good quality crops here in the years ahead. From JTA, Israeli army promotes first openly gay major general. Here's a thumbs down for that one. Military advocate General Sharon Afek was promoted during a ceremony at the country's defense headquarters in Tel Aviv. Afek had served in the Army and legal positions for 25 years when he was appointed military advocate general in October of 2015. So, bad news. It's just one of those things I think is rather revolting about Israel, which is rather revolting about our current state in the military as well, but it's something we have to live with. From Mail Online... This is something I just completely disagree with. I mean, there's a point where you do too much in this world for people. And listen, if you disagree with my disagreement, that's fine. We'll just disagree to disagree. But <laughs> mail online, pregnant women will be allowed to jump to the front of queues at supermarkets and other public places under new laws in Israel. Lawmaker who experienced long queues with his pregnant wife proposed the bill. It was passed unanimously to give pregnant women the respect they deserve. Okay, the lawmaker is with his wife, and he didn't like having to wait in line, right? Well, why isn't she sitting in an air-conditioned car? Why didn't he do the shopping for her? Whatever, right? If she's out shopping, she can wait. It's just like everything else in the world. We have to cater to every little group that wants their little thing. And pretty soon we've got expensive laws that, you know, and then you've got punishments for them, and you've got people that argue over them. And it's just, it's one more thing that's unnecessary. Maybe, maybe a strategy is to do away with it. Yeah, maybe his strategy is to do away with abortion. Well, that would be a positive. All the pregnant ladies in Israel, and they all get to the front of the line so they don't abort their babies. Good there job. Go. All right. Uh, and they end with Brazil has similar laws allowing expectant mothers to jump public place queues. So there you go. Brazil and Israel are at the forefront of the pregnant woman debate. And from Aretz Shiva, Knesset approves nationality law. I don't know if you saw that, but they have... Uh, passed a nationality law which says that Israel is a Jewish state, okay? They have taken Arabic out as one of the languages of the state. Hebrew is the main language. People can speak Arabic all they want, but, you know, in the United States, we have English, which most people speak. If they had passed a law that says English will be used in America, then we wouldn't have signs with 47 different languages in some of the uh, malls around the U.S., but we didn't do that, and we've got this this problem all over the place. People need to adapt to the country they're in. Now, whether you agree with this or not, I will say I do. And the reason why is because all of the lefties all around the world, including left Jews, disagree with it, which tells me that they did the right thing. Um, secondly, I read an article this morning, which I did not have time to put in here today. And so I may read it to you next week if it fits in with the prophecy update. Nothing else preempts it. But guess who's constitution is exactly the same, but way, way more the same than Israel's, is the Fakistinians, right? They have, and the world's complaining all over the world. They're complaining about this law that Israel passed, and guess what? They have exactly the same thing in the Fakistinian authority. So it's just one-sided. Everybody's coming against Israel. Nobody can think clearly in this world anymore, but once again, if it perturbs the left, I'm all for it. 
And then finally from uh, Aritz Shiva. This is something, if you know John Holler, he uh, sent me an email this week, and so I want to give him credit for it because he's probably going to announce this as well. But there was an um, article that came out from Aritz Shiva, and the title of that article was Major Earthquake, speaking about in Israel, would kill, guess how many? 7,000 and destroy bridges. Well, let's go to Revelation chapter 11 really quickly, and we'll go to verse 13, and it says, In the same hour there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell in the earthquake. 7,000 people were killed, and the rest were afraid and gave glory to the God of heaven. So it's kind of like Israel is estimating something that hasn't happened yet, but which is already prophesied in the Bible. So thank you, John Holler, for that. And uh, let's see here from Christian News Today. I have something that just most of you don't know about this unless you were at the Thursday night Bible class. But this just tickles me to no end. And it's been kind of done behind the scenes. I didn't want anybody to, here to feel like, well, I'm going to have to pay for that or, you know, whatever. So it's something that I sent the money for. And we now have a satellite church, a superior word satellite church in the Republic of the Philippines. In Iligan City in the Philippines, Pastor Dennis Compton has started a Superior Word Church. And so he will be rebroadcasting these things in his church, the Prophecy Update, the Bible class, and the sermon each week, and then he'll have his own stuff. But uh, we did that. I wanted to, like I said, I didn't want to burden anybody and mention this in advance, and I just wanted him to do what he felt was best with it. And so they, they got this place, and it's all been painted. It's all floored, and they got chairs and everything. And, and it's not as cushy as we have it here. I assure you, we've got air conditioning, and we've got soft seats and all that. But I want to thank him very much for wanting to do that. I mean, when he said, I want to do this, that I can't think of anything since we opened this church in this building in October of 2013 that has touched me that much. So really wonderful, and uh, if anybody ever wants to send him an email or anything, let me know. I'll give you his email address, and you can talk to him about it and how things are going. And uh, he opened this past Thursday. They got together, and they actually had a person come to Christ the first day. And he said that was a little confirmation that they're doing the right thing. And even if they were to close after that, it was worth it, wasn't it? One person coming into Christ. So there you go. Thank you, Pastor Dennis and uh, your beautiful wife, Remy, and uh, all the folks at the uh, Superior Word in Iligan City, Philippines. All right, for Mail Online, Brides of Christ do not need to be virgins. This is the Catholic Church's new stand. Vatican announces. New rules state that chastity is not essential. Okay, yeah, brides of Christ don't have to be virgins. The Catholic Church has raised eyebrows by suggesting women who devote their lives to Christ, which is stupid in the first place. This is nothing biblical about this, but if you're going to have something crazy like this, at least have it match what you call it with reality. Anyway, um, consecrated virgins needn't actually be virgins. Vatican document uh, Ecclesiastes Sponse Imago whatever, published earlier this month, includes a clause stating that physical virginity is not an essential prerequisite to consecration. Women known as Brides of Christ vow lifelong virginity as part of a spiritual commitment to remain sacred for Jesus. Outlining details of the female consecration, which comes after the Vatican said there was rising interest in taking vows to marry Christ, the document read, the call to give witness to the church's virginal, spousal, and fruitful love for Christ is not reducible to the symbol of physical integrity. Uh, thus, to have kept her body in perfect continence or to have practiced the, the virtue of chastity in an exemplary way 
while of great importance with regard to the discernment and not essential prerequisites in the absence of which admittance to consecration is not possible. In reaction, U.S. Association of Consecrated Virgins said it was shocking to hear physical virginity is no longer a necessity to a life of consecration. The entire tradition of the church is firmly upheld that a woman must have received the gift of virginity. Well, I assure you, all women received that gift at one point in their life. What they do with it now no longer matters to the Catholic Church. But, which, once again, I don't agree with the policy to start with. It's not biblical. It's utterly crazy. But I'm showing you what the state of the Catholic Church is. You talk about the mother of harlots. Here we are. Okay, the entire tradition of the church has firmly upheld that a woman must have received the gift of virginity, both physical and spiritual, in order to receive the consecration of virgins, the group said in a statement. They said that the rules do not change the original requisites for consecration, as stated in the right of consecration to a life of virginity, which says... In the case of virgins, leading lives in the world is required that they have never celebrated marriage and that they have not publicly or manifestly lived in a state contrary to chastity. Reports estimate that there are up to 5,000 duped women, I'm sorry, consecrated virgins in the world, (laughs) including more than 230 in the United States and 200 in the United Kingdom. Well, if you're going to do something that's supposed to be symbolical of a life in Christ, let's take you to the Bible and let's see what Paul writes about in the book of 2 Corinthians. Hang on a second here. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians and we're going to turn to chapter 11 and I'm going to read you. I'll just start in verse 1. Oh, that you would bear with me a little folly and indeed you do bear with me for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy for I've betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Now, obviously, he's speaking on spiritual matters because there are males in the church and there are females in the church and they're not all virgins, right? He's speaking about spiritually pure, okay? But if you're going to have typology and symbology, you might as well have it match what you're talking about, okay? Which, by the way, remember back on September 23 of uh, 2016 and uh, they were supposed to be the bride of... uh, Christ was to be taken away, and or I'm sorry, the, you know, the, uh, the, the goofy thing that came out, they said the rapture's going to happen, and they said the term bride of Christ is never mentioned in the New Testament. Well, guess what? We have a, a virgin presented to Christ. That sounds like a bride to me. So, you know, these rapture date setters and stuff, they got to they gotta stop this. They, they won't, but they should. So anyway, we'll go on. From Christian Post, Episcopal Church expands gay marriage to all dioceses, I'd like somebody in this church to listen carefully to this, where bishops object. So even where a bishop objects, they have no choice in the matter anymore, which means the conservative, we have two main Episcopal churches in Sarasota. One is out on Siesta Key. It's as liberal as Fruit Loops can come, right? It's disgusting. It's vulgar. But we have a conservative congregation downtown. And they now must abide by what is said here. And so I would recommend that anybody that likes to go and listen to the liturgy and the music once or twice a year or four times a year to not go there anymore. Because this is something that you are promoting by actively sitting in the pews. 
Okay, um, Episcopal Church's general convention passed a resolution that expanded the right for gay couples to marry in all dioceses, even where local bishops theologically object to same-sex marriage. At its triennial convention in Austin, the Episcopal Church's House of Bishops and House of Deputies voted to approve Resolution B012, allowing gay and lesbian couples to be married by clergy in eight dioceses that had previously not allowed marriage rights for same-sex couples. As the General Convention had previously voted in 2015 to allow clergy to marry same-sex couples, it also gave bishops who opposed gay marriage the right to forbid priests in their diocese from performing same-sex marriage ceremonies. Although the new resolution still gives clergy the right to decline gay marriage ceremonies, which he can say, I'm not going to do it. Guess what? Somebody else is going to come in and replace them. Okay? Bishops who oppose same-sex marriage rights will have to call on another bishop who does not oppose to provide pastoral support for the couple and the clergy member that will be involved in the ceremony. The move directly impacts diocese in Albany. Guess what? New York, Albany, New York, Central Florida. Central Florida. That's us, folks. North Dakota, Springfield, Illinois, Tennessee, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. Speaking of virgins, there you go, the Virgin Islands. The new policy will go into effect on the first Sunday of Advent, December 2nd, right before somebody likes to go listen to the music. The resolution is a compromise of an earlier proposal that would have put new marriage liturgies in the Book of Common Prayer, which is coming the next convention, so there you go. From Islam Today, New York Times. How Israel, this is a very long article. I took out as little as I possibly could. If you are interested in this, you will really enjoy it. If this kind of thing doesn't interest you, take a 10-minute nap, okay? (laughs) How Israel, in dark of night, torched its way into Iran's nuclear secrets. Remember when Israel said we have all these documents? Guess how they did it. Here we go. The Mossad agents moving in on a warehouse in a drab commercial district of Tehran, People in Tehran, Iran, district of Tehran, knew exactly how much time they had to disable the alarms, break through two doors, cut through dozens of giant safes, and get out of the city with a half ton of secret materials. They had six hours and 29 minutes. The morning shift of Iranian guards would arrive around 7 a.m. A year of surveillance. They spent a year watching this facility to see if they could determine exactly when the right time to do this was. A year of surveillance of the warehouse by the Israeli spy agency had revealed, and the agents were under orders to leave before 5 a.m. to have enough time to escape. Once the Iranian custodians arrived, it would be instantly clear that someone had stolen much of the country's clandestine nuclear archive, documenting years of work on atomic weapons, warhead designs, and production plans. The agents arrived that night, January 31st, with torches that burned at least 3,600 degrees, hot enough, as they knew, from intelligence collected during the planning of the operation to cut through the 32 Iranian-made safes. But... They left many untouched, going first for the ones containing the black binders, which contain the most critical designs. Now, guess what? They have all of the Iranian technology in Israel. So if there's something, probably not, but if there's something that Israel didn't think of in making a nuke or we didn't think of it, they've got that, right? Um, It's like when you read a Bible commentary, 
I've, I've just typed a uh, commentary on Hebrews 1 verse 2 this morning, and I said in there, if you stick to one Bible commentary, you're really limiting yourself. And the first couple verses of Hebrews, we have scholars of ages past, I'm talking the great scholars of the past, that wrote volumes on a single verse. And each one of them comes at that verse with unique insights, right? And so you have to read all of them to get a fuller understanding of what you are now going to comment on. You are building upon other scholars' comments, and that's what's happened since the very beginning, right? So what I have is the production of my mind plus what I've read from these people. And I've the past two days, I've read and read and read over two verses, okay? Now, the same thing is true with the uh, uh, nuclear secrets. There are different people coming at these things differently. So Russia has developed the super bomb, the, the monster bomb, the biggest of all of them, something we have never done, right? But we've developed nukes that have different characteristics that theirs don't have. Israel has developed pretty much everything that we have. Why? Because Gerard Schroeder, who was on our nuclear program, retired over in Israel, and they have that great mind of wealth there in Israel, plus they now have Tehran secrets. So you see, it's not just we're going to build a nuke and that's it. There are different ways of coming at things, just like there are at the Bible. So we'll go on from there, just so you know what I'm talking about. Um, they went to the critical designs. When time was up, they fled for the border, hauling some 50,000 pages and 163 compact discs of memos, videos, and plans. In late April, Prime Minister Netanyahu announced the results of the heist after giving President Trump a briefing at the White House. He said it was another reason Mr. Trump should abandon the 2015 nuclear deal, which we never should have gotten into in the first place, but arguing that the documents proved Iranian deception and an intent to resume bomb production. A few days later, Mr. Trump followed through on his longstanding threat to pull out of the accord, a move that continues to strain relations between the United States and European allies. Last week, at the invitation of the Israeli government, Three reporters, including one from the New York Times, which is where this comes from, from the New York Times, were shown key documents from the trove. Many confirmed what inspectors from the IAEA in report after report had suspected. Despite Iranian insistence that its program was for peaceful purposes, the country had worked in the past to systematically assemble everything it needed to produce atomic weapons. It's quite good, Robert Kelly, a nuclear engineer and former inspector for the agency, said in Vienna, after being shown some of the fruits of the document theft. The papers show that these guys were working on nuclear bombs. There is no way to independently confirm the authenticity of the documents, most of which were at least 15 years old, dating back from the time when an effort called Project Ahmad was ordered, halted, and some of the nuclear work moved deep undercover. The Israelis handpicked the documents to show to the reporters, meaning that the exculpatory material could have been left out. They said some material had been withheld to avoid providing intelligence to others seeking to make nuclear weapons. The Iranians have maintained that the entire trove is fraudulent. Of course they did. Yes, another elaborate scheme by the Israelis to get the sanctions reimposed on the country. But American and British intelligence officials, after their own review, which included comparing documents to some they had previously obtained from spies and defectors, said they believed it was genuine. And of course it is. From what the Israelis showed to the reporters in a secure intelligence facility, 
a few things are clear. The Iranian program to build a nuclear weapon was almost certainly larger, more sophisticated, and better organized than most suspected in 2003 when Project Ahmad was declared ended, according to outside nuclear experts consulted by the Times. Iran had foreign help, though Israeli officials held back any documents indicating where it came from, so they know who's been helping them, and they're not going to tolerate any interfering in this one from this point on, because they probably identified those nations and said, we know what you've done, and dot, dot, dot. Okay, much was clearly from Pakistan, but officials said other foreign experts were also involved, though they may not have been working for their governments. The docs detailed the challenges of integrating a nuclear weapon into a warhead for the Shahab-3, an Iranian missile. One document proposed sites for possible underground nuclear tests and described plans to build an initial batch of five weapons. None were built, possibly because the Iranians feared being caught or because a campaign by American and Israeli intelligence agencies to sabotage the effort with cyber attacks and disclosures of key facilities took its toll. Remember the cyber attacks where they had the, the spinners, the rep, uh, whatever you call them, and they spun so centrifuges, thank you, they, they spun themselves out of existence because of that, uh, what, uh, Stuxnet, thank you, Stuxnet virus. Um, David Albright, a former inspector who runs the Institute for Science and International Security, said in an interview that the documents contained great information. Iran conducted many more high-explosive tests related to nuclear weapons development than previously known, he told Congress last month. But the archive was also shows that after a burst of activity, a political mandate delivered at the end of 2003 slowed the program dramatically, just as American officials had concluded in a 2007 intelligence report. Israel, which has its own undeclared nuclear program, has long claimed that the Iranian program continued after 2003, and some documents shown senior officials in Tehran's program, including two who were later assassinated, presumably by Israeli agents, debating how to split it into overt and covert elements. Very interesting. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I, it's just very exciting to know that Israel was able to go into Tehran and to do this and then to get across the border and into some area where they could get away with those documents and eventually get them down to the people in Israel. Wonderful stuff. Mongolia today. From Reuters. Okay, we have jockeys in the United States. They race horses and, you know, okay, you know who they use for jockeys in Mongolia? You will now. Rights groups were urged better treatment for Mongolia child jockeys. At the opening of Mongolia's traditional Na'adam festival, red-cheeked child jockeys in brightly colored outfits and helmets raced over the muddy step in a 15-mile endurance race, excitingly whipping their mounts. But the practice also faces criticism for putting children at risk, and international organizations called for an end to what they call as the exploitation of vulnerable children, many of whom miss school to prepare for races and long work hours for low wages at large stables. The minimum age for a jockey is just seven though authorities have struggled to enforce that, which means they have younger ones out there, right? Uh, last year, as many as 10,435 children participated in 394 races nationwide. More than 600 were thrown from their horses, 169 were injured, and two 
were killed. Yes, organizers at the Nadam Festival said they were introducing new safety standards and registration methods. With public awareness rising on issues of child safety, of course, child protection gets better. There you go. So, Mongolia News, you've learned something you probably never knew before today, right? Maybe more than you wanted to know. From Daniel 12 Technology Today from Fox, no more tickets. Major League Baseball fans will soon use fingerprints and facial recognition instead. Now tell me we're not getting ready for the end times when they are they are doing this to get your baseball tickets, right? They're yeah, one little thing at a time. One that's right. A tap of the finger will soon replace traditional tickets at baseball stadiums across the country. Major League Baseball and Clear, it's the name of a company, are teaming up to launch biometric ticketing, allowing fans to use their fingerprints and eventually facial recognition to enter the ballpark. A pilot program will arrive at select venues later this season. In 2019, Major League Baseball and Clear plan to roll out biometric ticketing to ballparks that utilize Clear and Tickets.com technology. We'll be able to immediately link fans' clear accounts to their MajorLeagueBaseball.com account. Your biometrics, your face and fingerprint, become your ticket. The platform will expand to a point-of-sale systems and possibly more teams, according to executives. Clear said that it plans to offer biometric concessions in the state of Washington. Fans, well, they're all liberals out there. Not all of them. There are some good conservatives in Washington. I'm saying, in general, it's a Was liberal state, so they don't care. They're not worried about the mark of the beast. Anyway, fans will be able to pay for food and validate their age for alcohol purchases using their fingerprint. When experiencing a game, here we go, the biggest friction point is getting into the stadium. So they're using convenience of access to take away your privacy and who you are as an individual and to store it somewhere so that someday that information will be accessed and you won't be able to buy or sell anything without the mark of the beast. Thank you. All right, so. What? Scalpers, yeah, it's going to be tough on scalpers. That's exactly right. Okay, so uh, this lady said, okay, we truly believe we have an opportunity to use our technology, here it goes again, to drive a safer and better experience for fans. Once again, safer, better, they're trying to make everything look like it's for a good cause, when in fact, eventually, it's going to be used for the worst cause of all. It's going to take away thousands and millions and tens of millions and billions of souls right off to the highway of heck because of the mark of the beast. Okay, Mail Online. New smart bandages. I'm not sure if I like this idea, but it's interesting. New smart bandages heal wounds by tracking inflammation and delivering the right dose of medicine. Smart bandage tracks the progress of wounds with pH and temperature sensors. It administers antibiotics throughout the day as when they're needed. These lab-tested bandages could heal persistent medical challenges. I, I just don't think that's a really great idea, but they've developed it. Put on your Band-Aid and decrease your infection in the process. I don't know, whatever. From Revelation Plagues today, from Fox, nuclear materials were reportedly stolen in Texas last year, and they still haven't been found. Two U.S. Energy Department security officials reportedly had nuclear materials stolen from their rental vehicle in Texas last year. So they just left in a rental vehicle and went out for lunch. And the materials were never found, and officials have no suspects. The experts from the Energy Department's Idaho National Laboratory were sent to San Antonio to receive the plutonium and cesium on March 21st of 2017. The materials were left in their car. 
doesn't sound like a smart bunch of guys, yeah. which was in the parking lot of a Marriott hotel. And when they returned to the vehicle the next morning, the items were gone. Now, I bet you there were 500 cars in that parking lot and one, one was targeted. It's like yeah. you can almost see that this was somehow planned by somebody to leaving nuclear materials in a car, having a car stolen, broken into, and they probably left the wallet on the front seat with all the money in it. They took what they wanted, right? Anyway, it just seems way too curious to me. Yeah, they were trying to remind themselves that the kids were in the backseat. Exactly. Okay, so officials at the scene were told to take as many fingerprints from the vehicle as possible, but none of the collected prints were usable, and there was no worthwhile surveillance video on the theft. Yeah, they parked in a place with no video camera as well. There you go. Idaho National Lab experts also told police the materials stolen weren't an important or dangerous amount, which I don't believe, and police closed the case. Both agents have been promoted out-of-field jobs to management positions at the Plutonium Security Center in Phoenix. Okay, the last sentence I lied. I made that up. They, they have it. All right. From C but that's what happens in the government. When you screw up royally, they promote you to your highest level of incompetence. It's always the case. From CNN. Australian experiment wipes out over 80% of disease-carrying mosquitoes. In an experiment with global implications, Australian scientists have successfully wiped out more than 80% of disease-carrying mosquitoes in trial locations across North Queensland. The experiment targeted Aedes aegypti mosquitoes, which spread deadly diseases such as dengue fever and Zika. In JCU laboratories, researchers bred almost 20 million mosquitoes, infecting males with a bacteria that made them sterile. Then, last summer, they released over 3 million of them in the three towns on the Cassowary Coast. The sterile male mosquitoes didn't bite or spread disease, but when they mated with wild females, I like how they say these are wild females, the resulting eggs didn't hatch and the populations crashed. The successful experiment offers a potential new solution against diseases which infect millions every year. But remember now, it's a good thing. We're getting rid of these bad mosquitoes. But every time you take something out of the food chain, it affects something else. Always. It's always going to be that way. So you're going to have a negative based on a positive. So we'll just see what happens. Anyway, um, morality. What they could do, I suppose, is if they developed 50 million mosquitoes and they put 3 million in and they crashed the population, then they could release the rest of the 50 million and give things something to eat. But they would really have to monitor that because when you take something out, you always screw something up. Morality today. World Net Daily. The data are in. Perversion promotion is working. The CDC did a youth risk behavior survey, which paints a grim picture with dire consequences for the long-term well-being of our nation's youth. What this survey says is that this is a culturally indoctrinated thing. It's exactly what I said last Sunday. It's exactly what I said, and then this week out comes a survey from the CDC saying that exactly what I said was going to happen or was happening is what happened. That it has nothing to do with people actually being gay or lesbian or trans or whatever. They're being taught this. And because they want to become this, that's what's happening. Read the article. It's long. Just go on to the next one. Christian Post. Gay conversion therapy ban vetoed. Good job by Maine governor citing religious freedom. In other words, I don't want religion harm because of somebody saying, you can't tell this person, you know, I'll help you get out of being gay, right? Maine's Republican Governor Paul LePage has vetoed a controversial bill that would have banned therapy to help minors with unwanted same-sex attraction in the state. 
saying it posed a threat to religious liberty. This is so broad that licensed professionals would be prohibited from counseling an individual even at the individual's own request, which is exactly what we have in California and uh, Hawaii and the other states we've mentioned already. The governor wrote in his veto message, adding that parents have the right to seek counsel and treatment for their children from professionals who do not oppose the parent's own religious belief. Good job, buddy. All right. Now, uh, we have a person that attends online. Hello, Ruth. She's living in Trinidad. She's given us some updates in the past on Trinidad. She sent me a disturbing email this week, and I asked her if I could include it. She said yes. Hello, Pastor Charlie. Today is another day of sadness for Christians in Trinidad. Almost 500 years ago, Christopher Columbus discovered this beautiful island. As he approached the island from the sea, the first thing he saw was our central range of mountains with three peaks, which we call the Three Sisters. He said they reminded him of the Trinity, so he called the island Trinidad, named after the Christian God. There were Caribs and Arawaks living here at the time. Next Saturday, July 28th, we will have our first ever gay pride parade in our country. Nothing like this has ever happened before. I'm sending you an attachment. In addition, last night, our prime minister told the nation he's thinking of decriminalizing marijuana. There was a celebration among the Rastafarian community since they use this drug a lot. I am heartbroken by these developments, but comforted that the word says our Lord will take us out of here, and by the looks of things, it may be very soon. I love people with faith like that. Good job, Ruth. Thank you very much. Our other category, extreme tech. U.S. government concedes that 3D printed guns are legal. I don't know if you saw this. A couple years ago, I highlighted the, a guy had made 3D printed guns and he had put it out on the internet and then they came, the State Department, and they arrested him and said that you violated the act where you can't send guns overseas, okay? Which is, anyway, so here we go. The government cited a law known as the International Trade in Arms Regulations, which restricts how guns are exported. I clipped off the first half of this article, so if you want to read the whole thing, go ahead. I'm just giving you the points that are important here. They contended that by posting the files online, Wilson had effectively exported them to other countries. Fearing stiff legal consequences, Wilson took down his site. However, he's been waging a quiet legal battle with the Justice and State Departments ever since. Earlier this year, the Trump's Justice Department offered Wilson a statement, although it looks more like a complete capitulation. Wilson had been arguing that he had the right to post the files for weapons not because of his Second Amendment rights, but because of his First Amendment rights. The government now accepts that 3D printed files uh, that allow for the creation of guns are protected as free speech. As a part of the settlement, the government will change the export laws for firearms under 50 calibers, including semi-automatic rifles like the AR-15. The regulation will move to the Commerce Department, which will not attempt to regulate online technical data about the weapons. As for Wilson, he's forging ahead with the aim of making guns available to anyone with a sufficiently capable 3D printer. Anybody with a 3D printer that can print this can now do it without any restriction at all. The new DEFCAD site will feature handguns like the Liberator, but Wilson also hopes to have every piece of the popular AR-15 ready for download. I think it's a good thing, personally, because states are taking away people's guns' rights. They've got to get them somewhere. Now, at this point, these guns fire six times and they're no good anymore because of the composites they're using. If you use a metal, which they have guns that can be 3D printed out of metals, then they will last longer. But this is now public 
domain. Once it's out on the internet, it becomes public domain and anybody can use it. I'd like you to remember that the people in England, when I get to an article a little bit later, public domain. From the Daily Caller, San Francisco mayor says her city is drowning in poop. San Francisco Mayor London Breed said the streets of her city are flooded with the excrement of the homeless. Breed, a demon rat who was inaugurated as San Francisco's mayor, urged homeless advocacy groups that receive money from the city to teach homeless people to clean themselves up. Now, they passed that law that they can't do anything about these people. You're always going to fall to the lowest common denominator in society. If you pass a law that says you can do this in the streets, guess what you're going to do, right? And But now she says they need to teach the homeless how to clean themselves up. These people grew up in America. They know how to clean themselves up. They don't care. They like what they're living in. This is why they're doing it, okay? If they had any shame, they'd go behind a tree somewhere, but they don't. If I showed you the pictures of what is included with this article, if you go online and type San Francisco poop, I mean, I, I'm not going to tell you what they do, but it is horrifying, right? And they, it is purposeful. It, this lady, it, just like all Democrats, they're insane, okay? Uh, let's see here. Um, I work hard to make sure your programs are funded for the purposes of trying to get these individuals help. And what I'm asking you to do is work with your clients and ask them to at least have respect for the community. Well, you have taken away any sense of respect from them. So why should they? At least clean up after themselves and show respect to one another and people in the neighborhood. It is the demon rats which have taken away self-respect in this country. What do they expect? From Zero Hedge, World Health organization, carcinogens. We all know asbestos, right? Came out some years ago. We all know, don't get around that anymore. Arsenic, right? That's bad. Stay away from that. Cigarettes, bad stuff. Alcohol, they include that in there. Guess what they've included in there now? Bacon. The World Health Organization has officially declared bacon to be just as dangerous to human health as tobacco cigarette smoking. World Health Organization has made the decision to declare all processed meats carcinogenic to humans. Well, I got carcinogenic yesterday and the day before, and the day before that. Um, let's see here. The World Health Organization has a surface level where they disclose to the public what they are researching and try to justify their existence with little warnings like this. And then they have a deeper depth of what they do and who they endorse, what research and products they promote, and all the rest. Also, it's not a good thing when government organizations start officially recognizing things. When the government starts officially recognizing the danger of tobacco, they start trying to make laws that do nothing but line the pockets of politicians with new taxes and create annoying little additional hassles for people who will not give up smoking cigarettes either way. In other words, what they're saying is, guess what? Your bacon is going to go up in price because they now have to tax it to protect you from eating bacon, right? The truth is, almost everyone knows that bacon is not a health food. I would disagree with that. I want you all to know I disagree with that statement. Bacon is a health food, okay? It isn't a vegetable, and it's loaded with fat. See? Health food, okay? It's not the best food to eat because of that. Well, I disagree again. Most people have the common sense to not eat a pound of it at a time. My wife will tell you that I also disagree with that. Okay. From Haaretz, Bannon calls for Brexit supporters to take up arms and fight to take back the UK. Well, they can't because they've had all their guns confiscated away from them. Remember the previous article? Go online, folks. Public domain. Go to your local 3D printer guy and have him print you something up so you can take your country back like we took ours from you. That's to the people in England. Okay, I got somebody <laughs> snickering about it. I love the people in England, okay? I'm just... <laughs> 
from WFTV. That's Florida, by the way. Florida's economy hits $1 trillion GDP milestone. Imagine that, Florida. We are now the 17th largest economy in the world. Imagine that. Florida's economy hit a new milestone. The state's GDP topped $1 trillion. Thank you, Governor Scott, a Republican. The Florida Chamber Foundation's chief economist announced. To put it in perspective, if Florida was an independent country, its $1 trillion economy would rank it as the 17th largest economy in the world. Ahead of, guess what, Saudi Arabia, the Netherlands, Switzerland, and Argentina. We're ahead of all of them. The Florida Chamber of Commerce said this is an historic moment for Florida reaching a record of $1 trillion in GDP. Good job, Florida. By working every day to create private sector jobs, we've been able to increase Florida's GDP by more than $270 billion. That's 37% since 2010. That's our current governor who has done that. Zero hedge. Makes you feel good right there to be in Florida, doesn't it? Warm weather. We got rain coming down. We got mangoes galore. Did you bring mangoes? We got more mangoes. Please do not leave without taking mangoes. These people, just so you online know, these people here are sick of mangoes. I've been bringing them by the bucket. We've sold... Uh, I'm telling you, we have sold millions of mangoes at our house. Millions of them. We've given them away by the bucket load. We've taken them to the ladies at the bank, bring them to church, and they're falling 50 an hour. I'm telling you, it's like rain out there. It is amazing. And these are the biggest, best mangoes on the planet, the Kent Mango. All right, from Zero Hedge, CO2 emissions hit 67-year low. Say that again. CO2 emissions hit 67-year low in Trump's America as the rest of the world rises. Guess what? We got out of that stupid agreement, that climate thing, and our CO2 emissions have been going down. Yes, according to the latest energy report from the Energy Info Administration, under President Trump, per capita CO2 emissions are now the lowest that they have been in nearly seven decades. Even more interestingly is the fact that U.S. carbon emissions dropped while emissions from energy consumption for the rest of the world, all the rest of the world went up 1.6% after little or no growth for three years from 2014 to 2016. The U.S. emitted 15.6 metric tons of CO2 per person in 1950. After rising for decades, it's declined in recent years to 15.8 metric tons per person in 2017, the lowest measured levels in 67 years. In the last year, U.S. emissions fell more than 0.5%, while European emissions rose 2.5%, and Chinese emissions rose 1.6%, along with Hong Kong 7% up. Yes, an ironic turn of events given Europe's shaming of Trump for leaving the Paris Climate Accord. But isn't that a bad thing? CO2 is good for plants. CO2 is good for plants. It's good for all kinds of things. It's America that is now to blame for ruining the world by taking CO2 out of the environment. That's, that's going to be the next thing they say. Got a less work here for you. As of now, Big League Baseball has plans using pictures and such of their fans. Keeping eye on the ball, not for some, rather all, they will likewise buy soda in cans. Good job, Les. Okay, I got two ironies of the week for you. I call these car trouble. From WFSB, once again, that sounds like Florida, I think, but I'm not sure. Illegal alien wanted for deportation flees court, gets hit by a car, ACLU blames ICE agents. Yes. 
Yes, and from the Orlando Sentinel, which is definitely Florida, and that's over in Vero Beach, Florida man tells cops he wasn't drinking and driving. He was only drinking Jim Beam at stop signs and traffic lights. Yes, yes, such is the world we live in. So from Sarasota, Florida to Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia, and Iligan City, the Republic of the Philippines, I'm Charlie Garrett. This is The Superior Word, and that is your Prophecy Update for the week.